Welcome to the Ringer MLB show presented by Yahoo Sports Daily Fantasy. Yahoo Sports has been a leader in fantasy sports for nearly two decades, and it's great to see that they've recently introduced fair play for daily fantasy. Yahoo, hoping to level the playing field for sports fans with strict contest entry limits. Oh, yeah. And veteran labels for highly experienced players. So you know always who you're playing against. Yahoo Sports is offering our listeners a special offer. Go to the Yahoo Fantasy app or visit yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. Use promo code RINGER with your next deposit to receive a one-time $50 deposit bonus that's earned over time as you play. First-time depositors will receive a $10 credit to enter contests. So remember, that's promo code RINGER on Yahoo Sports Daily Fantasy. Let's do it. Welcome to the Ringer MLB show. This is our eighth podcast that we have launched on the Ringer Podcast Network. My name is Bill Simmons. On the phone right now is my old college roommate, my longtime friend, uh, diehard and embattled Yankee fan, Jacko, <laughs> a.k.a. John O'Connell. How are you? Good, thanks, buddy. How are you? We are uh, we are launching the podcast. This podcast is going to feature a bunch of different baseball voices until... Um, our baseball people officially take over during the middle of the summer. So we're doing a little hodgepodge. What we're going to do over these next few weeks is have people in the ringer universe who love their teams uh, and follow them every day and follow them religiously. Talk about those teams and you can learn about those teams for, from the educated super fans. Uh, I am a Red Sox fan. Jacko is a Yankees fan. If you have listened to the BS report, now the BS podcast, You've heard us complain about our teams, uh, rave about our teams, celebrate our teams. I think in 2009, that's when the Yankees uh, illegally won the World Series. <laughs> and we were talking all the time. I didn't know A-Rod was cheating when you won. I mean, I, 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 it's, oh it's, it hurts to think about it now, but I was I was like secretly happy for you at the time, Jacko. I, well, is is are you going back to 2009 as the genesis of these of our podcast time together? No, we. I think it we started predates that. Yeah, we started in 07. We yeah, started exactly. during the Red Sox uh, World Series run that uh, hurt your feelings. That's right. In 07, we used to be Johnny. Are you worried yet? When the Red Sox had this climb to the World Series, and the yeah. answer was ultimately yes. I was quite worried. Yeah, the answer was yes. I'm worried. <laughs> And then, I've gone uh, from worried to now my, officially my title is embattled. That was exciting. <laughs> when you use the word embattled in my introduction, you can tell what, what a good Yankee season it's been. Well, since we've known each other, uh, which was September 1988, you've won five World Series and I've won three. So you had the bragging wow. rights there. But I have 4 which you'll never top. Uh, I get 4 to my grave. You're going to have to come back 3-0 in the series to beat me. That's probably not happening again in our lifetimes, unfortunately. So uh, I, I won't be able to even up the score on that one, sadly. We also had the big man died during uh, during our podcast run together, George Steinbrenner. <laughs> That's true. Yes, passed A lot away. Of history. Yeah, left the kid, left the team to his kids. We had uh, we had the Terry Fran- Francona smear campaign was interesting. <laughs> uh, we had Theo Epstein leaving. Uh, yeah. We had Brian Cashman surviving. How would you describe that scandal exactly? <laughs> well, 
Well, he had an, he was apparently had a mistress, but he may have been estranged from his wife. But then, when he tried to break it off with the mistress, she turned out to be like Glenn Close from Fatal Attraction. Yeah. So that was a rough patch for him, and you know, was threatening to out him and threatening to have him. I don't know. She was threatening to harm him, maybe too. So, you know, then that became a whole tabloid sensation as it went through the court system and what have you. So, squeaky clean Brian Cashman, who was always viewed as kind of a nerd and who knew he had this whole sordid, sordid underbelly of a, another life going on. So, yeah, and came through it unscathed somehow in, in the New York media frenzy. We had Manny Ramirez leaving all the soap opera with him and then the Red Sox finally getting rid of him and then him going to the Dodgers and then him testing positive for estrogen. Yes. Uh, so that was fun. We had um, Ortiz, his yes. name the getting rise. leaked in 09, which was, 09 was really your year, looking back. It was. You, you had Ortiz, you had Manny, both of them were uh, were thrown into these scandals. You won the World Series. That's really when you peaked, I that think. Was, that was huge for me. That was a big year, and it's all been downhill ever since, I guess, because the Red Sox have, subsequent to that, they won a World Series in, what was it, 2013? Yes, Right, they're awful, awful World Series, and then awful again, and and now, you know, another another first place or or knocking on the door first place season. So, yeah, things since on for since '09 has not gone well for the Yankees, and the contracts that they bought that year to arguably not arguably that certainly helped them win the World Series to Shara and Sabathia have then been like anchors around their neck ever since. So, right. the high point of '09 where we you know paid for players that brought home uh, title number 27, and then since then it's been. Uh, a little tough to get to old number 28. And then you lost Mariano. Mariano. Well, you had all the retirements of the yep. of the core four starting after that, you know, Pettit and then um and then Mariano. I was I guess Posada was first and then Pettit and then Mariano together and then uh and Jeter in 2014. Yeah. And Jeter yeah. probably in retrospect maybe stayed a year and a half too long. What do you think? No, God no. no Two he years played well too long? at the end. He, it wasn't it wasn't like a Mickey Mantle at first base situation. Yeah, are he was, we sure? Peter was already took care of himself. His were numbers were you know, they weren't as good as they once were, but they were solid. Do, do, do you feel like you upgraded with Didi Gregorius or no? <laughs> he doesn't quite have the star power, although well, you no? you don't watch the you don't watch the Yes Network out in LA, but the Yes Network has these commercials where it's it's Didi and Starlin Castro. Mm. And they sort of do this act like the movie Step Brothers with Will Ferrell and and John Riley. Is that his name? John Riley. John yeah. C. Riley. Yeah. John C. Riley and Will Ferrell, where they do this Step Brothers routine, and it's like they're best friends. And I'm like, in the beginning of the season, I was like, oh, that's so funny. That's great. Love to see the camaraderie. And then when the Yankees took a slide, I was like, if I see that commercial one more time, I'm gonna throw some <laughs> through my TV. So, so it's been a roller coaster ride. But yeah, Didi's okay. I'm, I would never ever blaspheme and say he was an upgrade from the captain. Mm. Um, oh, captain, my captain. But he, he's a solid player. He's not bad. He's, he, he certainly improved as the year went on last year. And I kind of like the combo of him and Castro. They seem to be chummy and two relatively young guys, you know, from the Caribbean, keeping the middle safe for the Yankees in the infield. I like it. You're only five back from the Red Sox. I'm enjoying the Red Sox season much more than you're enjoying the Yankees season. The Red Sox actually have a yes. fun team. And, uh, and Ortiz, just yet again, with another incredible season the the best farewell tour that's ever happened he's really showing the yankee fans what a farewell tour should look like where <laughs> you have conversations you don't want him to retire it's lingering please don't go yet you're too good you have too much left it's kind of how it's supposed to go johnny i'm sorry 
Well, I mean, do you think he sticks around? Do you think he comes back for one more year? I mean, do you think maybe this is not the farewell tour, given his really, you know, age-defying, science-defying, laws of nature and physics-defying season? Mm. Well, let me throw this at you, though. He's he's only bats five times a game. Yeah, it's, no wear and tear from the, the Yeah, field. it's not like he's turning double plays like Jeter was and just getting wrecked, you know, 75 True. times a year where he's jumping up and just, you know, and I don't know. The wear and tear of that position. How old was Edgar Martinez when he retired? Like 58? <laughs> yeah, exactly. 57? But he seems like he stays in pretty good shape. He eats healthy. His body really hasn't changed in 15 years. What's weird about this year... <laughs> Since it had a dramatic change. Oh, sure. stop it. That has been fairly consistent. There's never been proof. Uh, <laughs> I will say I will say this, and not, not that I would ever agree with you about the natural reasons for Ortiz's climb, but I've seen it just with the Yankees in the past couple A-Rod's been on the DL for 15 days, so the DH spot has opened up, and they've been playing Carlos Beltran at DH where he belongs rather yeah. than playing the outfield. And he's been on a hot streak. He's been on a tear at the plate because, you know, he's like 37, 38 years old. He doesn't have the wear and tear. Of, you know, he's only playing right field. It's not the wear and tear of the infield. But still, he's in the field every day. I mean, sorry, every inning. And, you know, he's making plays. He's out there. He's got to get ready. It's not as easy as just sitting on the bench. So he's had a huge improvement at the DH spot. So there is something to that, that, you know, longe- you can get a lot more longevity when you're a DH, certainly. I'm glad you agree with me, Johnny. Yeah, I think... You look at these outfielders, they're just kind of standing out there. They're on their feet the whole time. There's the pressure of just pitch by pitch. I got to be ready. If it goes here, I got to throw third base. You're just thinking about that all the time. I think Ortiz, all he does is think about those five at-bats and prepare for those five at-bats. And he hits and he goes in the the locker room. He goes in the runway. And that's all he's doing. And he's, you know, I've been watching a lot of Red Sox this year because I really enjoy the team. He yeah. he's cranking line drives. Like I don't ever remember a stretch like this from him other than maybe there was a stretch like the second half of 05, first half of 06 when he was just killing the ball. Um I don't remember just this many line drives from him. Like he went 4 for 4 on Sunday. He w- he was trying to get a triple in his last at bat and he hit the triple into the triangle and almost had it and it ended up bouncing over the fence but it was like he was like oh yeah i meant to do that hit it right in that 420 so i'd have a chance at the triple it's insane i don't he, know what to say he really saved up the best deer antler spray for the end. oh come I gotta on give it to him. stop must have taken a little off season trip to germany would you see that east stat germany, I mean, the former east germany that stat <laughs> i mailed you He's yes, that, on is, pace that for, is amazing. On pace for the third most extra base hits ever after 1921 Babe Ruth and 1927 Lou Gehrig. It's cra- you know, I, our years of doing the podcast together, and I, I've always made fun of Xander Bogarts, Hall of Famer Xander Bogarts, mm. and Hall of Famer Jackie Bradley Jr. And I've been so despondent about the Yankees that I've been kind of like, I, I watch them with sort of one eye open and one eye closed, and I haven't been as engaged as I've been in the past. So I actually took a look the other day at the Red Sox lineup, which is unbelievable. Like, everybody in the lineup is hitting like 330, seemingly, except for their catcher. But, he, you know, you don't expect the catcher to do that. Jackie 
Bradley Jr. is going to break Joe DiMaggio's record, which will really be the final <laughs> nail in my coffin for 2016. And Xander Bogarts is hitting like 340, and yeah. you can't get those guys out. So I'm like, in retrospect, you know, maybe it wasn't such a good idea for me to always constantly be cracking on them on the podcast and making snide comments because they've come back to bite me in the ass in the worst way possible. And Red Sox fans have been kind enough not to let me forget. So that's fantastic. Not just those two, but you also made a lot of Anthony Rizzo jokes over the years that have come back to haunt you as well a little bit. True. True. You I just, hope I can joke about some Yankees prospect at some point. I've already thrown in this howl on Yankees top prospect Luis Severino, so hopefully he'll come back to bite me in the ass at some point because I wanted him released the other day. So maybe he'll come back and be the second coming of Nolan Ryan. Yeah, we the Jackie Bradley thing, I tweeted this jokingly two years ago, or I tweeted this uh, over the weekend about how um, two years ago him having a 27-game hit streak would have been more right. unrealistic than Trump <laughs> getting the Republican. I've thought about that it really some more. really hit me with both barrels. Yeah, yeah, no, I thought about it some more. I think Trump is still more improbable. I think, yeah, I'm a, really I think I've underrated the Trump thing, but uh, <laughs> Jackie Bradley Jr. was like, you know that crazy AL only League of Dorks thing I'm in. He was like, he was in the waiver wire for for weeks last year, and now he's the he's been the best all around center fielder other than like the Trout types in the American League. It's crazy. They they have the as a team they're hitting two ninety five. The Ugh. OPS is like it's like eight forty or something. It's some crazy number. They're they're leading in just about every category. And they're wearing pitchers out already. And what's interesting is if they can keep everyone healthy, once we get to July and those double headers and the heat when right. the pitching staff starts to break down. Then. Oh my God. Like they killed the A's. When the A's came yeah. through, they just like the by the by the last game the A's were on life support. But every oh, time I looked at the scores, it was like every game was like twelve to one, thirteen to one. They had some astronomical amount of runs they scored right in four games. Yeah, they. Although they, the Yankees just swept the A's for four games, so maybe that's not really the the greatest basis of comparison there to see you know to judge your team's uh, ability. Billy Bean, I don't think we're going to be Oof. seeing Moneyball too. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> the the Red Sox had a huge blow today, though. Carson Smith, who they were counting on to basically be their setup guy. Um, is out for yeah, the year Tommy now, John Tommy surgery. John. Koji's 40. Tozawa's been go- really good this year, but has had a tendency to break down as the year goes along. So there is some bullpen questions that I'm starting to worry about long-term. Not like right now, but down the road. Meanwhile, the Yankees have... <laughs> a really strength. Yeah, mediocre team with like an incredible 7-8-9. And uh, Francesa was like... For- Chapman for Bogarts, who says no. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> Actually, we, we could use a center. How about Chapman and Ellsbury for Jackie Bradley Jr., who says no? How's that? <laughs> did Ellsbury contract, where does that rank for you? Oh, terrific. I mean, because the thing is, I I was joking around with guys at work that were Red Sox fans when he was a free agent. And I was like, boy, some team's going to get suckered into signing him. He's made out of porcelain, and that's going to yeah. be a disaster waiting to happen. Never thinking in a million years the Yankees were going to do it. And then sure enough, they do it. So, uh, yeah, he's actually he's got the second highest average on the team. He's hitting 275. Sterling Castro's hitting 276. Just call the Yankees offense anemic is a, is a disgrace to anemia. It's pathetic. But he, you know, so he he's had flashes lately where he's been a little better. And the problem with him is, you know, part of that contract was his speed and and you know he's got a lot of wear and tear on his legs and injuries have taken a toll and he doesn't steal bases like he used to. So yeah, it's just that's too just bad. A that's it's just a long too... line of disastrous contracts. 
It's too bad we don't have decades and decades of evidence that base dealers right. kind of decline from a speed and wear and tear standpoint as they hit their thirties. I I'm a I really wonder like when is baseball going to realize just to stay away from those guys, the past performance guys in their thirties. It seems like some teams understand it, but other teams, as we saw with the Red Sox with Sandoval and right. Hanley, it just they can't help it. It's like they literally just can't they can't contain themselves from doing it and they do it over and over again and it never really works. And you might get that first great year, maybe two great years, but like what, how many good years did you get out of CC? Well, 2000, I mean, 2009 and actually this year he's been decent, but I mean, he, he was nowhere near worth that contract, not even close to it. And it's really deadly to do with pitchers because, and, and I mean, the, all the signs were there on him too, because, you know, he put that Brewers team on his back to carry yeah. them into the postseason, and he pitched like 500 innings and, you know, would pitch a game and then come out of the bullpen the next day, basically. So he knew that that was going to take a toll. And given his, you know, less than less than ideal body shape, shall we say, you know, you knew that wasn't going to age well either. So all the signs were there. But at that point, the Yankees were desperate, and they needed a frontline starter, and he was the guy on the market. So they, they just threw the bank at him. But, yeah, I got a World Series. You can never discount a World Series, but it's a I lot of money and a lot it. of dead money. Didn't didn't you extend his option though at some point? That's yeah. what killed it. They did. That was what that was a disaster. And that's the thing. I mean they did that with Mariano, which was much more justified where it's at a certain point you're paying for like it's sort of a thank you for past performance really. Yeah, that's but unfortunately you can't be sentimental in baseball or sports in general. I think if I owned a baseball team, I would do I would commission a study with <sighs> with all the nerds I had working for me, basically trying to figure out, does it make more sense to give somebody a six, seven, eight year deal for, I don't know, 160 million or whatever. Or do you just give that same person four years for 110 million? Right. Front load it. Yeah. You bet you're because basically you're paying for four years and then kind of holding on for a ride for the last couple. So right. why not just get the four years that you're paying for anyway and pay a little more for that, and then you're out of the contract? Yeah, I mean, see, we root for teams that have the ability to do that. You know, your right. Kansas City's of the world and your Milwaukee's can't do that. So, you know, and I could, and now these guys want more long-term security. They don't want to be, you know, having to play for a contract every four years. So they, they love, they and their agents love the long-term contracts because then you're, you're locked in and it's all guaranteed money in baseball. So I, I don't know if a guy would go for that. Yeah, I mean, there's the the you know the compelling side is more money up more money for him, but you know, less years, and then he figures he's got to battle for another contract after that. I guess if every team agreed to do it, it would work. But the, you're going to have that the one or two stupid then you teams. Have collusion. <laughs> yeah, then you have collusion. Then you'd be back to 1987 again. Exactly. I exactly. do think, though, uh, the, the one thing that's going to change as we follow this next decade of baseball, especially for the high-priced teams like the ones we root for, we're, like Bryce Harper is just not going to be there as a free agent for you. Like 30 years ago – you would have already made his jersey. You just know he's going to the Yankees for like four hundred million dollars or whatever it would have cost. Oh, I still like to think that. You think Washington's going to lock him up? Hundred percent. I I think the thing that's changed is the middle the middle upper class teams like the Washingtons and then you know the quote unquote lower revenue teams. You know like the Royals, Pirates, Astros. Mm-hmm. All the they can just sign these guys two years early before they become free agents. It, it, that's the biggest thing that's changed with baseball. Is yeah, the revenue sharing they have more money to play with now. Yeah, and, and 
now it's like, you know, somebody like, uh, I don't know, Mookie Betts. The Red Sox can just sign him early, give him a big chunk of money, and you're paying, you're overpaying, quote unquote, for somebody in their 20s. But that's usually when baseball players are at their best. I'd rather overpay a guy in their 20s than their 30s. And it's way lower risk when you talk about how much money it is. So, um, All I've got going for me right now is I keep looking at the picture of Bryce Harper posing in front of Mickey Mantle's <laughs> retired number, wistfully looking at it. Yeah. That's all I have going for me. And you just cut the legs right out from under that well, dream. It, it still might be in play because he's. I think he's a really interesting guy. And his agent has to be whispering in his ear that – you know, the Yankees, I think he's a free agent after, I think it's after next year. Right. Um, his agent has to be whispering to him that the Yankees will be coming off presumably two pathetic years, needing a superstar, needing to retake the city, and, and a $500 million 10-year contract is literally not out of the realm of possibility. No. And so would you rather go be perhaps the next Mickey Mantle in terms of superstardom and celebrity, the next cheater in New York City? And make fifty million dollars a year legitimately, or do you want to, you know, play in Washington and be a, a big fish in a relatively small pond? I'm not bashing Washington, but I'm talking about compared to the Yankees in New York City. We both we both love Washington D.C. I think it's a different Absolutely. level because you're talking about, you know, when they, when they spend all that money in A Rod. A Rod's not a magnetic mm. personality. A Rod's not somebody no, who's going to own your city. Reggie Jackson's somebody who's going to own the city. Um, yeah, but Bryce Harper has a little bit of that in him now with his make baseball fun again, and he's you know talking smack to Goose Gossage sort of, and you know he he seems to kind of like the limelight a little bit. He seems to have more of that than, and he seems well, he's certainly more natural than A Rod, who is way too programmed and all the things we've discussed in the past and too corporate and just too groomed, except when he does the baseball show on Fox where he really showed like a lot of life. He was, but, he um, was really good on that show. Yeah. I, my point is I think Harper does have that personality and I think right. if, if I don't know what he cares about and he might just really like being in Washington and might not yeah, care about some of this stuff, but if he wanted to become famous yeah. like in a really significant way, I think he'd have to think about the Yanks. I, I really think the only place he could go that could provide him a list level fame is if he went to the Yankees during this kind of semi swoon where it's been two years in the tank. Um, you're going to be rebuilding um, the quote unquote savior part of it. And he's, and he right. won't even have been in his prime yet. You know, I would have to, th I'd have to think about that if I was Harper. And there, and by the way, no other team for that. I don't think, I don't think it would matter as much with the Mets, the Red Sox, the Cubs, the Giants. It's, no, it would only the be the Yankees. And the, the history and the mystique and everything else. Sure. Yeah. So that's, that's what you have to sell him on or sell his agent on. And I'm sure, you know, Washington's going to come to him and they're going to make him a lucrative offer. And at a certain point, given taxes and everything else, you know, Money is money is money. It doesn't make that big of a difference, I suppose, whether you're making, you know, thirty million or you're making fifty million, really, in the grand scheme of things. But the the celebrity and the just to be like the king of the city and really like become like a first, become like a one name athlete, like a Kobe, a LeBron, you know. Wait, we're gonna have Mallory Rubin joining us, who's an Orioles fan, because I want to. We're making this an AL East only podcast, so Jacko is gonna make the case. He's gonna pretend you're Bryce Harper. And he's planting the seed for you to think about the Yankees two years from now. All right. Go ahead, Jacko. Let's hear it. All right. Not only 
are we going to sign you to a 10-year, $500 million contract, but you get the chance to join the New York Yankees, the most legendary sports franchise, certainly in North America, if not the world, to be in the, in the ranks of Ruth and Gehrig and Mantle and DiMaggio <laughs> and Jeter, to be this generation's guy, icon of the city, and lead the Yankees back into glory and take your place as a, as a one-named superstar in sports with the Kobe's, the LeBron's, the Messi's, and do it in New York City, the media capital of the planet. Where do you sign, Bryce? Right here. Here's a pen. Hold on. I'll add one other thing to that. Is Bryce, play, you're still Bryce, man. Okay. All right. Bryce, are you single? Are you a single man? I think I have a lady. I think I have a, you have a, lady. a, a lovely lady in are my you, life right now. Are you now. married? No, no, okay. but I'm committed. Okay, you're committed. Yeah. Well, interesting because... Wasn't he engaged and didn't he break it off or something? Mm. Not sure. That no. wouldn't shock me. Well, uh, after uh, after Jacko hangs up, we're going to call Mr. Derek Jeter. <laughs> and Derek's going to tell you a little bit about what it's like to be a bachelor when you're the best Yankee in the in the city that never sleeps. He's got, He has some words. He has some things and to weigh in he can point you to a good gift basket guy in Manhattan. <laughs> Mallory, is Bryce Harper, assuming Washington can't convince him to ink early, is he the, he's the most important free agent since when? Since who and when? Okay, you're going to think I'm crazy. Okay. I'm not even sure he's the most important free agent in his own class. Oh, okay. Wow. I'm going to make the case for Manny Machado, who's a free agent the same year that Harper is who plays a position of extreme scarcity, even with the influx of young shortstops. Okay. It's more valuable to have a shortstop or a third baseman, to have a young infielder under team control for that long, who can also hit 40 home runs, who actually is probably going to hit for a higher average, and who plays better defense and gives you more value across the field. What's the age difference? Same? Manny is slightly older. He's slightly older. 23 like, right now, like six about six and a half months older. Okay. They're pals. My 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 nightmare scenario is that they end up being Yankees together. Oh no, Jacko. That would be good. <laughs> Are you there? The Yankees could use the Yankees will need a third baseman. That's fantastic. But here's the other thing. It's not even just them. Jose Fernandez is in that class too, right? So you have the arm. And the yeah. pitcher is always going to be more valuable than the hitter. Maybe not when it's a generational guy like Harper or Machado, but that class is so loaded that I, I think it dilutes the value a bit. See, I was thinking from a personality standpoint, just the, what we've seen from Bryce. It's been a huge year for Bryce off oh, yeah. the field. I love his interviews. I like how he's got a charisma to him. That Manny Machado, I'm sorry. I don't mean to hurt your feelings. I know you're a Royals fan. I don't feel that with Manny Machado. I don't, I'm not bringing my son and my grandson to, to Yankee Stadium to tell them that they're about to see Manny Machado. I would do that with Bryce Harper. I thought you would love Manny because he's a fellow dog lover. His dog, he named after Kobe <laughs> Bryant, by the way. <laughs> a little NBA connect there, too. Is always in the Oriole pet calendar. He always posts pictures of him on Instagram. It's just delightful. He's a, he's a charming fellow. So he's the stealth choice. But Jacko... I, I know you love Manny Machado as well, but ultimately, yeah. Bryce Harper's putting you in the seats. A little yeah, bit more. My, my heart's with Bryce just because he, I think the casual fan knows him more than Manny Machado. Some guy that, not even a guy, some person that doesn't follow baseball as closely is going to know of or, or who Bryce Harper is and heard of some of his exploits. I'm not sure that everybody's going to know about Manny Machado. I think not, that, not that he he certainly deserves to be better known, but just is the fact that Bryce is better known. He's on the Tonight Show and you know he gets more publicity as it is. 
I don't think so there's any doubt that, that you're right icon. from the optics perspective and the PR perspective right. and just like the superstardom the variable. But if you actually had to choose one of them to build a team around, who would you pick? Oh, yeah. I'd rather have an infielder than an outfielder. Right. I agree. If the numbers are comparable, yeah. Right. And I think there are going to be GMs out there who are thinking about it the same way. Well, if the Yankees just got both of them, that's a pretty strong statement. I think it's, I think it's really weird that the Yankees don't have a face. My whole life. Yeah, well, they no matter, haven't had it since Jeter. Well, but my whole life, like somebody mailed me a clip. It, it was actually the 40-year anniversary. And I was six years old and it was my mom's birthday party. And <laughs> I was upstairs watching Yankees Red Sox. Pinnell and Fisk had the fight. And then all hell broke loose. Mickey Rivers threw yeah. like 70 cheap shots. Greg Nettles decked <laughs> Bill Lee. Bill yeah. Lee, who I'll never forgive for not just being tougher for 10 seconds. Like, just can you can you not walk off like somebody shot you in the in the arm with a <laughs> rifle? Can you just be tough for 10 more seconds? Um but so that's like the first Yankee team I remember. And from that point on, they always had a face and a star. Right. And I just, even though I hate them with every fiber of my body, it just feels weird to watch them now. And now they're going to rebuild and become sellers, which have they, since the concept of sellers started like really in the early 90s, I don't think the Yankees have ever been a seller, right? Yeah. I mean, no. it's, it's only the last couple of years that they haven't actively bought right but I, they're on a run now they've won the last few games uh -oh. they're only one game under Five 500 yeah so i don't know i wouldn't be so sure i think if they obviously the red sox and orioles are both 10 games above 500 and have a comfortable lead at this point but if the yankees stay in it and particularly if the blue jays and rays sort of fade and it feels like a, a three-team right. race which i'm not sure it will be i think it might be a five-team race for most of the season mm. but it's just not in the yankees organizational dna to punt and especially when you look ahead at the free agent pitching class for next year which now that Strasburg signed the extension yeah. is, is basically non-existent they're, they're not gonna have a choice they're gonna have to try to acquire an arm what do you think yeah. Jacko I agree and you know the Yankees are in a tough spot because in terms of being it being sellers like what, what they really needed to do and what they've needed to do for about three years now is just ride out these contracts or try to dump these contracts for 25 cents on the dollar. Easy for me to say it's not my money, but that's what they should have done. Just gotten prospects and been awful for a while. But when you're charging $1,500 a seat and $50,000 a game for a luxury box, the, the New York crowd that you know came of age in the 90s of the dynasty years is not going to accept paying premium prices to watch a triple-A or quadruple-A team on the field. That's what they needed to do to get better, to get younger, to, to improve in the future. But they, they're in a tough spot. They, it's New York, and they're charging top, top dollar. You've got to have a superstar, or even if it's an aging superstar. People will pay to go see A-Rod. They're not going to go pay to see some kid who's a prospect that's going to be good in five years. People will go so to they're pay in to, a tough spot. Wait, people are going to go to pay to see A-Rod? Is that well, true? I'm just saying no, not true. Who well, are those no. people? <laughs> I, uh, I'm shocked. As I, by the way, I don't know if you know this, but I wrote Mallory and uh, our COO Jeff Chow into the League of Dorks. Yes, and and uh, it's been life altering for both of them. But I'm shocked just because that league gives me a feel for what prospects matter. Yeah, how, how few prospects the Yankees have. Yeah, I know. Well, that's the problem. I mean, when they, you know, the dynasty years, they were always picking late in the draft, and then they've 
you know, signed big contracts and they've had to give up draft picks because of compensation. So they are where they are. They're caught between a rock and a hard place. They don't have a very good farm system. They don't have a lot of great prospects. These guys that are highly touted, you know, Ref Snyder, he can't break through. Severino was their top prospect. He's been terrible this year. That, that's really been their biggest problem, one of their biggest problems to start the year because they were counting on a lot from him that he was going to make the, make the leap to the next step up, and he hasn't done it. He's been terrible. So all these highly rated prospects, and I'm going to get murdered on Twitter because all these fanboy prospect guys are like, oh, we can't get rid of Severino. It's only 17 starts. But He's been terrible. I mean, his ERA is over six. It's been brutal to watch. So, yeah, their prospects are not good. I don't know if it's a problem with scouting or just, like, you know, drafting late. I don't know what the deal is. But, yeah, the guys have not panned out at all. Uh, my words of so. caution as an Oriole fan would be not to give up on an elite pitching prospect too soon because then he becomes true. Jake Arrieta yeah. for the Cubs and your life <laughs> yeah, is right. fucking very awful fair. forever. That's very She's true. so hot to bet Jake Arrieta. Oh, my God. It's awful and now scott feldman is just sitting there in middle relief in houston it's just awful <laughs> you know um, i was reading buster only today because i was thinking like the yankees are going to hit this point and it's going to happen relatively soon where i think andrew miller is somebody that a lot of teams would want like he's definitely yeah. a closer and i think beltron is somebody that a lot of teams would want like that guy could absolutely be mm. a, a number five hitter on a team that could play for the World Series. He's been killing the ball. And they're yep. going to have to decide in the next three weeks whether they want to go one way or the other. And I think the worst thing that could happen would be if it just kind of they were in no man's land. Because the yeah, Orioles and Red Sox are just close enough. And, yeah. yeah, the right. Orioles and Red Sox haven't exactly pulled away. Right. No. Um, which is amazing because the Red Sox are basically the 27 Yankees offensively. <laughs> and we're only like nine games over 500. Uh, I don't understand. What do, you, what do you predict for the Red Sox, Mal? Oh, my God. I Pretty mean, lousy pitching. The pitching, it's, it, the Orioles and Red Sox are actually very similar, right? It's a lot of young, talented hitters, a lot of robust offensive outings. You never feel like you're out of the game because there's always the threat of the, the, the Chris Davis or David Ortiz home run to, to bring you back in the ninth. But the pitching is so thin and so frightful. Um, I, I, I think that those are both playoff teams. I don't think that Jackie Bradley is going to continue to hit like Ted Williams. How so dare you? the question is what happens when that pace falls off I mean he's in the like you know he's in the Adam Eaton Jason Hayward category where like his defense is so good and makes such a difference that he actually doesn't ever have to get a hit to still be valuable to the team but the truth is that they are now winning because of what he's doing on offense as much as because of what he's doing on defense so what happens when he falls off well that would be if they had good pitching with the with some of the guys they have on defense it'd be amazing the problem is the, no defense can be good enough to save some of these pitchers. And now we were talking earlier about Carson Smith's out for the year. Right. Koji's 40 years old. He's six years younger than I am. Uh, at some point, he's going to get hurt. And Tazao always burns out in like August. And I don't know. I'm concerned. I, I do think they're going to have to go get another reliever, but everyone wants a reliever. Wait, Jacka, what do the Yankees need? If you if you could trade for anybody, what would you get? No, in one choice, one well, person to get. They need a bat. Their lineup is so anemic. I mean, they need so much. Their starting pitching has not really set the world on fire, you know. But the, but you're not going to be able to go trade and get a frontline starter. So, if they could get another bat somewhere, that would be great. Chase Headley is murdering them at third base. He's I don't know horrible. if there's any third baseman available. Who are the who but, are going to be the sellers? Like the A's are atrocious, the, the Braves are atrocious, the Reds. Who the Reds else? Reds for sure. I mean, I, if the Reds don't move Jay Bruce, I'd be stunned. Um, Everyone else, it's a little too early. 
Yeah, I think it's too early. I mean, the thing that's strange right now is like a lot of the bad teams weren't supposed to be bad. Like the Astros are in last place in the West, which is insane because the Astros were supposed to win that division and, and, you know, face the Cubs in the World Series. Um, You know, I think that the the, um, Padres remain in, in firm seller Ooh. position because they've sort of been caught between attempting to simultaneously contend and rebuild for the last couple of years under Preller. And, you know, that that's obviously not sustainable. So I don't know if they're going to get to the point where they say we can't carry Matt Kemp's contract or we need to move on from Will Myers because he's just basically one of the last pieces that they could actually still get something for. Obviously, I think they will trade Cashner and Tyson Ross if there are any takers out there. Um, but in terms of bats, it's, it's kind of a limited group right now. Anyone on Minnesota who's eleven and thirty-three right now? The thing is, like, they're <laughs> guys... some terrible records this year. Uh, the, the Twins are awful. Oh my God! It, Cincinnati's fifteen and thirty. The Braves are twelve and thirty-one. And Minnesota is eleven and thirty-three. Like, when was the last time somebody won less than fifty games? Jeez, that's a good question. I think the Braves are actively shopping Nick Markakis. Not that getting two home runs a year from Nick Markakis really is going to make the difference, but you know, one of the, one of the best pure singles hitters out there. Uh, Sounds like he could be, be good on your team, Johnny. Markakis, you've always wanted him. I think he might be like number three in the Yankees in home runs at this point, too. The Twins do have a couple guys, though. I mean, a lot of their, they're not going to move, you know, Buxton or Sano or, or Park or any of the young guys, but like they could move like Trevor Plouffe, you know, what, what do they need with Trevor Plouffe when they're going to win 12 games this year? All right, so let's we'll go around the room and then we're gonna go. Uh, biggest fear for your team mm. heading into uh, heading into June, Mallory, you go first. Oh boy, I live you know in perpetual fear of a Machado injury just because I I, I can't face that for a third time. Um, well, but, plus he's but on your than, fantasy team too. It's yeah, like you have the old double I'm, whammy. I'm deeply invested. Yeah. Um, other than that true doomsday scenario, I think my fear is that. You know, we paid Chris Davis $161 million to hit 210. Yeah. Which is problematic. Um, you know, the, the they sort of extended the window, but but not by much. I mean, Weeders is just on a qualifying offer. Trumbo's not around for long. I don't think this Trumbo outburst is sustainable anyway. So when he falls off, inevitably, who can fill that void? Does Hardy come back off the DL in time? I guess my fear is that the offense is not enough to compensate for abysmal pitching i mean i do think kevin gaussman has like genuine ace potential but chris tillman's gonna fall off a bit and that's it there's just nothing else in the rotation gallardo's on the dl ubaldo is literally like one of the worst professional athletes currently in our Mm. lives yeah and like mike wright and tyler wilson would not be in any other rotation on a contending team they just wouldn't be Ubaldo, every year, every year in the League of Dorks, he ends up going like in the reserve draft at like hour eight, and everybody, everybody <laughs> makes jokes like, "Oh, there oh he is, God. there it is." He's so bad. Always like talk yourself into it. Jacko, what's your biggest concern other than uh, just an overall lack of talent? Uh, <laughs> my biggest fear would be that they uh, picked up the option on Teixeira and Sabathia. Oh, uh, would, that would worry me. <laughs> That's not possible, no, is it? Uh, Actually, you know what my legitimate biggest fear is? I don't want them to trade Batances. I like him. He's a homegrown kid. He throws hard. He's probably the closer of the future. If they are sellers, I don't want them to trade him. Other than that, I don't really have any fears because they're terrible and you know mediocre at best. So I'm already living through the fear. Well, Francesca told me they would, Batances was tipping his pitches. They found out. They knew. They knew the Red Sox caught something. Uh, you my, do a great pope. Thanks. My biggest fear is that 
I feel like the Red Sox overachieved in a weird way with the, with yeah. the way some of these guys have hit. And Ortiz isn't gonna he's not going to finish third in in extra base hits for a season after Ruth and Garrick. Like that's not happening. Bradley's not gonna hit like this. Uh, the bullpen scares me now with no Smith coming back, uh, as we discussed. And I I just I wish this team had a better record for how the season has gone. It feels like like they're plus sixty six in runs, which is a crazy yeah, number for forty four games, and we're only ten games over five hundred. And then you look at Toronto, who has been a shit show, and they're right. twenty two and twenty four. They're only you know six games back. I, it does feel like the AL East is just gonna all clump together, and all of these teams are gonna be in it. Wouldn't Matt? Wouldn't you bet on that? Wouldn't you bet on a clumping together over someone pulling away? Yeah, definitely. Because like even even the Rays, who have been pretty bad and like have you know like the Kiermaier broken hand is like devastating yeah. for them in terms of uh winning a lot of games with defense and Chris Archer hasn't been you know the ace that they thought he would be this year that's still a good team I and mean Boxberger's coming back Boxberger's coming back Souza has looked this year like the player everyone thought he was gonna yep. be last year when they thought that was just a steal in the Nats trade so they have a lot of young talent and I just don't think they're a sub 500 team and so if they're the worst team in the division and they're 500 or better, that means everyone's in contention. And the Blue Jays spend a ton of money. It's not like they're going to suck. I don't know. Right. It just feels... Why are you making a face? I don't know. The Blue Jays have that like that just like feel to me. That year after yeah, shitty feel? Yeah, just like a team that... It never really made sense to me how they were able to compete last year. Like I, I get it just by definition. If you consistently score more runs than the other team, you win the game. Like I understand yeah. how, how how scoring and baseball work, but <laughs> like there that's not a good team. You know, just having the same player in like five spots in your lineup and nothing else, no pitching, a shitty bullpen where you're just cycling through closers. Tulowitzki's been terrible. As someone who owns him in a fantasy league, I mean, he's got, I think, eight home runs, but he's hitting like 200, barely. He reminds me of like uh, like Cal Ripken near the end. And by near the end, I mean the last seven years of Cal Ripken's career. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy, that hurts her right where she lives there. <laughs> well, he hung on too long. It happens. Yeah. It happened with Jeter. Yeah. Uh, no, I... I uh, <laughs> <laughs> Mal is really that drive by there. My God, I'm sorry, Mal. That's all right. I forgive you. Uh, do you have Jacko? Before we go, do you have a Game of Thrones question for Mal? I know you watch, no, and I know I'm... you're like me, and I know you're just as confused as I am. <laughs> at all, times. I actually don't watch Game of Thrones. I'm sorry. Oh, not... Wow. Oh. Sorry. Wow. Is there just you? I think I blocked this out of my mind. I knew this, and I yeah. forgot it. Just you don't like television, or. <laughs> I don't know. I just never really got into it. We were going to watch it, and then, I don't know, my wife's like, yeah, it's like on another planet. and it's. Uh, I was like, what? And it's like medieval, but it's on another planet. It was too much. I, I don't like, I'm not a big sci-fi guy, and I'm not a big medieval guy, so you put the oh two together, God. and it just wasn't selling me. Well, you tried you, to sell me on it. You have a, a centaur on your baseball team, and you're trying to trick yourself into thinking that the Yankees can contend, so that's enough fantasy in your life for now. I get it. <laughs> exactly. Wow. <laughs> Jeez. You really, between Ripken and Game of Thrones. Maui's just going to come out of this uh, angry. Uh, Scarred. Uh, so we're wrapping up the Ringer MLB show. Uh, this was the inaugural edition. We're going to uh, we're going to keep this going through the season and eventually add more cast members to it. Uh, but check out all of our podcasts: the Ringer NFL Show, the Ringer NBA Show, Keeping It Sixteen Hundred, The Watch, Shack House, uh, Channel Thirty Three, and uh, the BS Podcast. You can subscribe to all of them. 
Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for spreading the word. Jacko, thank you for being yeah. on the inaugural Ringer MLB show. My pleasure. Thank you, Mallory. You're welcome. Go right. O's. We'll be back. Thank you. <laughs>